A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. We join us at 1.22am UK time. Catherine is back from her presenting duties for Prime Video. Matt is finally finished pretty much with the newsletter. We've just come up with a an extra stat, I think, Matt, uh, for tomorrow. Is it, is it going to replace an original stat that you'd had planned? You know, the one we've just come up with? Do you know? I think it is. Oh, yes. I'm very excited. It, it's, it is improved. Yeah. Does that mean the original stat can... Can be tonight's podcast bombshell, or does it get saved for a, a rainy day? No, it's it needs to be used sort of pronto. Well, come on then. Um, let's see if it comes up. Whether the player comes up, okay. Te- teasing again. I will. I will. I will slip it in if the player does come up. That could be right. a game. Spot Matt's that. <laughs> brilliant okay well the reason we're talking about this is because Matt's stat is a feature of our daily newsletter during the grand slams we're also doing newsletters weekly throughout the year uh, and Matt has a stat in every single one of them i still don't quite know how he pulls it out the bag every time but he does um so yeah sign up to our newsletter the link is in the show notes to this podcast so press pause now if you want and go and sign up you know you can do that. Oh, you can also, if you like, given that we're recording at one thirty in the morning, take this opportunity to put your email address into our list for a reminder when we start crowdfunding at the end of the year for next year's show, uh, because uh, that's how we keep this show on the road. Uh, support the Tennis Podcast if you, if you can, if you'd like to. Uh, we very much appreciate everybody's support, all of those of you who listen. Uh, Catherine, Matt and myself are here to talk about day four at the US Open, which has been... An interesting day. Uh, I mean, I'm quite enjoying this night session, actually. We're we're sort of halfway through this night session, and there's a a lot going on all at the same time. As as we've come to you, Novak Djokovic is very comfortably beating Talon Griegsbohr, two sets to love. Um, Catherine and Matt have been watching Bianca Andreescu against Lauren Davis. But actually, one of the matches that has really just taken our fancy, we just sort of put it on at the same time, was Jensen Brooksby against Taylor Fritz, two young Americans, and I, and I would say, Catherine, that that sort of match under the lights at the US Open when there's a crowd that are really involved 
is one of those little gems that people may not know about really you know when when they think of grand slams they may think of the Arthrash stadium and all those sort of things but if you get i mean we're, we're sadly not in new york this year but it is lovely when you are able to just come across a match like that Yes, thanks for amplifying my FOMO, David. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, uh, it, it absolutely is. It's a sort of match. It reminds me of um, a sort of twilight, dusky match on court number three uh, at the Australian Open a few years back, a first round between Tanasi Kokonakis and Ernest Gulbis, which just set the whole place on fire and that sort of not quite outside court but definitely not main court was the place to be but it also felt like a really exclusive place to be it's the same as what we were saying about court 17 uh was it yesterday or the day before you know just small enough to be intimate but big enough to be a big deal um and that's 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 what you sometimes just end up with uh particularly on the grandstand court i feel like twilight is a good hour on the grandstand call, wasn't that the roughly the hour that Del Potro team mm. did all the magical things a few years back? I mean, I think Del Potro did the magical yes, things. Yes, sure. Yeah, he's somebody who's who's quite into doing magical things out of the blue a little bit when you think he's done, when you think he can't produce okay. anymore. But it happened to be on that court at that yes. time, also. Yeah. yeah, and and if you're on the right side of that court, you get. A view of the Arthur Ashe Stadium in the background. You just get a nice view over the grounds a little bit as well. It, it's a really nice place to watch tennis. That court. Mm. I definitely, definitely don't wish I was there with every bone <laughs> in my body. Not H- have you got a personal favourite one of those type of matches, Matt? From over the years. Oh gosh, that is putting me on the spot. Um, actually, I mean, the one time I went to the U.S. Open, I, I was on that very court, the Grandstand Court, and watched. Uh, Borna Chorich beat Alexander Zverev. That was an excellent match um, in four sets. And at the time, they were really neck and neck, I think. I mean, Zverev had won a bit more, but Chorich was sort of almost just as hyped, really. He'd broken through earlier, and it felt like that was a really big moment in his career, and he he played fantastic tennis. And, yeah, it was at that, that time of day. And then I think I went into the Arthur Ashe Stadium for the night session just afterwards it was yeah it was it was a special match mm. this uh this brooksby fritz match uh, which was as we've come to you his level at once at all it was finished in that second set both sets tie breaks and this young brooksby a young american player i mean he ended up on his back didn't he just just so much effort being put in to these sort of matches and uh and that's Something, something. It's just great to see them just throwing everything they've got into these matches. Um, I don't know why, but every time we, we record the podcast, something seems to happen after we've recorded it when everything looks like it's going swimmingly. And, uh, and this time last night, we were talking about Sloane Stevens and how wonderful she was playing and all that sort of thing. And then the rain started to come down. And I mean... I've personally been going to the US Open since 2003 and we've had all sorts of weather alerts. We've had concerns over tropical storms that have come in and they were spectacular. I remember 10 years ago going to the US Open and we had to delay the flight two days because of Hurricane Irene that was due to to hit the... uh, the state and and it kind of got ended up getting a glancing blow and it wasn't too bad 
Um, this one, though, where Hurricane Ida, the remnants of that, came across New York and, and New Jersey. I mean, it's been it's been disastrous, really. And and it, and the 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 big thing that struck me is that it seemed to take people by surprise. I, I mean, my sense from reading tweets from Pam Shriver on the ground and other people that were there. I mean, aside from the fact that people were really scared as to uh, as 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 the water started to pour in to Flushing Meadows and, and particularly the Louis Armstrong court that was when you first got a sense of, of what was going on because it's got a roof and yet there was a rainstorm in it even though it's got a roof on it's coming in from the side is that really they probably should not have had a night session last night and uh, and I, I, I would imagine in hindsight that they wish they hadn't mm. scary. Lots of people were stranded weren't they because public transport was shut down it couldn't function and yeah it was it was really quite scary actually there was i saw a i saw a tiktok of of a drink stand crashing into other objects at the top of the arthur ashe stadium and you know that was a place where there were loads of spectators that was one of the sort of safer places to be on on site and yet that was happening just really scary scenes and um I think you're right. I, I was a bit surprised they didn't call it and evacuate. I mean, obviously, it was extremely extreme um, what happened last night. But it did occur to me that, I mean, is that a, is that a design flaw of the Louis Armstrong Stadium? That I mean, is it ever happened? Be- they must have had heavy rain before, heavy enough for you know that that gap between the stands and and the roof to to let in rain i don't know it had surprised me that 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 issue had never presented itself before mm. um i once i once covered an atp champions tour event in edinburgh uh which was staged for one year only um and their their very proud acquisition um because you know edinburgh is not known for its outdoor tennis climate they had had a bespoke roof made for the for the court for the for the venue sold tickets on the basis of guaranteed tennis bespoke roof they had had the roof made to the precise dimensions of a tennis court so only at (laughs) only protected the court if only only ensured play if if uh rain fell exactly (laughs) vertically (laughs) and all players remained inside the baseline at all times which they didn't serve volleying in courage it wasn't it wasn't a successful event and it was never held again (laughs) yes oh dear dear Okay, well, I mean, we, I mean, they've done actually really well. I'm surprised that they managed to get play on. They, they delayed it an hour today, and everything started at, at noon local time. Um, and it started from a British perspective. We're going to start talking about the Brits here, just because that's what we were covering. But it started with Emma Raducanu winning through comfortably against Zheng Shui of China, a player who'd beaten her just a month earlier in her in Raducanu's first match after that Wimbledon run where she got to the last 16 and 
if you if you're not from Britain and you're wondering who who we're talking about, well, this is the 18 year old from Great Britain who suddenly came out of nowhere and started beating people at Wimbledon, and it frankly surprised all of us as well. I mean, we we we'd heard about her talent, but we did not know that she was ready, and I don't even think she knew that she was ready to this degree, but. She's built on that. She's spent four or five weeks in America. She's been playing events, lower lower level ones, got to a final and came in here, qualified, won three qualifying rounds very straightforwardly, didn't drop a set. And the same has happened in the first two rounds of the main draw. But to beat Zhang Catherine, a player who is, you know, she's seasoned. She, she's been around and played all sorts. I mean, it ended up six two six four, but she was four love up in that second set. It was a, it could have been an absolute hammering. Um, but either way, what a great result! It, it was a dismantling, really. It was. I mean, the first set was close to perfection, I think, from Emma Raducanu. Um and Gyothevong made the point in in our coverage that actually she thought it was a hindrance to to Zhang Shui that. Um, that she had beaten her so easily just a few weeks before because she'd have known that Raducanu had done a lot of winning since then and would be a different player. And the fact of that result just a few weeks before put all the pressure onto onto Jung, didn't it? Kind of, that's, you, you can only lose. You're definitely coming into that expecting to win and Raducanu breaks straight away and she must have thought, oh God, this is going to be a very different match to mm. what we had a couple of weeks ago. And... It was. It was. It was an absolute joy to watch. I don't know whether it's the brilliant naivety of youth that she's able to to stroll around the court, smiling on one of the the biggest, most high pressure, high stakes moments of her young life, um, and and yet it not be annoying, <laughs> it not seem precocious or smug or any of those things it's you know it's an unteachable gift isn't it but she just she makes me smile her tennis makes me smile it is so smooth and it feels so secure she we're so we're so programmed as british sports fans to feel anxious whilst watching um whoever our charge might be no matter how good they are and she doesn't make me feel at all anxious somehow she's there's this level of comfort about her and about watching her and some of her sort of into out faded drilled backhands and yeah she's I say it again she she does seem to have it all that doesn't mean that you know there won't be second season syndrome when players start to figure her out and it's all just going to be plain sailing and all of that but she definitely has the raw materials to to be something very serious she's so technically sound i think seems to be the analysis from all the pundits and i think that's a big reason why it doesn't feel anxiety inducing to watch her i never get the sense that she's really got a weakness that can be exploited or that something's about to malfunction in her game it's so smooth and what an exciting time it must be for her you know to have this match against Zhang Shui so soon after she last played her and to just get that feedback of 
how much you've improved and how much you've progressed even within a month. You know, I think Shuai was really quite shocked at the start of the match by what Raducanu was producing. And it, as you said, it was flawless tennis to begin with. And then I think the fact that it then became much more competitive in the second set, that also feels like a positive sign as well, that she was able to sustain her level through that. It wasn't like her level massively dropped off. Shuai started playing a lot better and made the match closer. Um, but Raducanu managed both situations very well. She looked totally at ease when it was all comfortable. And then she also looked ready for the fight And in the second stage of that match. It was such an impressive performance. I think maybe the best one I've seen her play yet, actually. Um, I think she beat Vondrosheva, didn't she, at Wimbledon? which was the one that first caught my eye of, of being just a level I didn't know she could produce. But, yeah, th- this again just felt like a step up. Mm. Yeah, we we, uh, we had a Laura Robson with us on uh, Five Live on our BBC Radio commentary, and it was impossible for the mind not to go back to what Laura was like in 2012 when we were also commentating on her. And I think we've got episodes of the Tennis Podcast when we just started and we're talking about Laura Robson, exactly the same age, 18. She ended up getting to the last 16. She beat Kim Clijsters in the first round in her final professional match. She beat Lee Nahr, and then she ended up facing Sam Stoser. And, and, and asking Laura about handling this situation and, and what it's like and wh- whether people like us getting all excited about it and almost trying to outdo each other with our... With our uh, forecasts of of how she will end up doing whether that's off-putting and and that sort of thing and she said that for her actually it was it didn't really bother her at the time she was aware that more people were coming to matches and more people more media were turning up at practices and that sort of thing but it it didn't bother her too much really and then when Radicano came in for interview with us she was clearly just loving it the whole experience she was she was about to go straight from our interview to the press conference and then she was going to go and speak to the new york times and then she was down to go and speak on the big set that they have out in the concourse with espn and now that is a big deal and when when laura heard that she said oh blimey i mean that is the big one you know that's going and talking to america and um and she's only reached the third round, and that's the sort of attention she's already grabbed. But she was clearly just buzzing about the chance to do it. And, and I think that bodes really well. I know, I know it's early days, it's all new and exciting, but I still think that that really bodes well, personally. Yeah, not a single selfie request went unanswered, did it, in, in her sort of little lap around the court afterwards. She really took the time with everyone, actually, and signed everything and took photos with kids. So did Corentin Mute after he lost. <laughs> did he? Corentin- yeah, he did. <laughs> I think we need to talk about Corentin Mute in a minute. Uh, but I've actually- only mentioned him in, in hopes that he's the, he's the secret password to Matt's stat. <laughs> Please be the stat, Quarantine. Uh But, um, yeah, just, just on... Radicana's next opponent in the third round in a couple of days' time is going to be Sara Saribes Tormo, who had a very straightforward win today of against uh, Shea Suwe. Um, well, we can do the predictions on that tomorrow, but that 
that is going to be another really interesting match, isn't it? I mean, Cerebes Tormo has improved so much this last year and and brings it every time she plays. So anyway, we'll do the preview for that in tomorrow's show. Um, yeah, just on Corentin Mute, he got himself involved in a fabulous match with uh, Matteo Berrettini. There was there was plenty of pantomime aggro in that. And uh, Mute, what a mover that guy is. I mean, he was getting to balls... <laughs> that Berrettini was hidden away and was absolutely convinced we're going for winners. And suddenly Mute was there and he managed to get it into four sets. And, uh, and yeah, the crowd liked him. So is he your stat then, Matt, or, or not? No, afraid not. Afraid you're going to have to try again. Um, he seems to enjoy the US Open, Mute. It was sort of this time last year, wasn't it, where he called our attention in that Dan Evans match. Something about his energy feels very US Open. Um, mm. I, I was impressed with Berrettini as well. I've, I've not got the same conviction in Berrettini at this tournament that I had at Wimbledon. And, you know, it really felt like Wimbledon was his time. He was in great form and people were predicting him to come through that half of the draw and reach the final. And he did it. But here he seems a little bit more vulnerable. And I think we saw a little bit of that today. He... He dropped a set. There were a couple of occasions where he broke and then just immediately gave it back by playing a really poor game. And yet the fact he battled through against an awkward sort of nuisance of an opponent is pretty impressive. And, you know, he was he felt he felt at Wimbledon like he was on a collision course with Djokovic of sorts. But that was right at the end of the tournament here. He really is on a collision course because he's he's Djokovic's potential quarterfinal opponent and he's taken sets off Djokovic at Roland Garros and Wimbledon so he does he, he does trouble him and if he if he can bring that big game I, I don't think he's an ideal quarterfinal opponent for Djokovic I think quick, there would have been better ones quick quick courts definitely Very, it, it, I mean big servers are having a having a good time I don't know how John Isner missed the boat but <laughs> this is a <laughs> This is a good time for big, big servers this fortnight. But, yeah, when I think about Isner over the years, I've always thought, well, why doesn't he do well at Wimbledon? I mean, he has reached the one semi-final, but overall, I feel... Yeah, nothing he, about him makes sense. He's, he does seem to favour, the, I suppose, the slightly slower courts that sit up for him to be able to just belt the forehand more. Um, but anyway, yes, he's gone. So it's all down to you, Riley. A, a Pelka one today. Yeah, Riley, Riley, he he beat yeah Lorenzo Massetti and uh, and it's actually he looks very comfortable on the surface Apalka I think he he trusts his game on it and um, and his timing and movement and all that sort of thing could be a dangerous player for a few few different opponents I think he could be um, what what else we had today what what was the match of the day do you think I'm trying to think of whether there are any absolute corkers I, I f- today I feel like Brooksby Fritz might might be it mm. um yeah deep in the third i don't know so. lauren davis bianca andres or hang on it's match point i was just about to say if this ends up in a third this could be it but it it is match point to andrescu for a straight sets win she's oh my god it. she's done it <laughs> the big. scenes straight oh my god sets. coco scenes they just cut away from coco coco's coco's the dog isn't it mm-hmm. yes very nice dog too. An actual straight sets win for Bianca Andreescu. Mm. Um, match of the day. 
Ash Barty got a win today. Um, yeah. 6175 over Clara Towson. I must admit, I didn't see any of that because I was commentating on another court at the time. But there was a little bit of chat about how Barty didn't close it out that comfortably at the mm. end. Yeah, for the second match in a row, she was broken when serving for the match um, at 5-4 in the, in the second set. And yeah, she was asked about that and she said, no, it's not worrying me. Um, I just need to make a few more first serves in those games. Um, it was a very similar match, actually, to her first round. Very comfortable first set. The second game of the match, she, uh, she broke serve on her 10th break point. It was a sort of epic game, but I think that put Towson on the back foot immediately, being under so much pressure on serve. But then she did grow into the match, and yeah, it was a very similar scoreline for Barty as to the first round. I, d- I don't think she's close to hitting top gear yet, and yet she's through in straight sets against a couple of dangerous opponents. So, you know, very, very good signs for Barty. Mm couple of uh, contenders for match of the day I, I think probably has to be Iga Sviantek coming back from a really difficult position against Fiona Farrow um, she was a set down it looked like it was going to go all wrong for her didn't it and she managed to win that second set squeaked through it and then raced away in the third yeah um, she said that she's having a bit of trouble starting matches. She said she's coming out onto court very tight, isn't playing her best tennis. She compared it to a match she won in Rome earlier this year against Krejcikova, which was a tight three-setter. And then, of course, once she came through that match in Rome, she ended up winning the title, of course, and doing so with a double bagel over Pliskova. So I suppose that has to give her some confidence that even... Even when she's not playing her best, she can find that form later in the tournament. But something's a bit off with Sviantek, I think, at the moment. She's, she, she doesn't quite seem herself. Um, her press conference, you know, there was a really nice moment, as there always is. She was talking about how, how much she's been reading. She's, been, she's just read Gone with the Wind, all wow. 1,000 pages of it. In, um, in, in a second language? No, she's read it in Polish. Oh, good God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And but you know so that was a really nice moment of the press conference. But I don't know. I, she was also talking about feeling quite stressed, and it was all slightly tinged with sadness. I thought the press conference. So I, I hope she's okay. And don't, you don't don't want her to be sad, do you? I mean, I don't want anybody to be sad, but she's particularly um, somebody who just such a good news story for the sport, mm. and just seems seems such a nice person. Um, by the way. 37-year-old Andrea Seppi beat Hubert Hercatch today. How ding, on earth ding. has that happened? Ding, ding. Oh, he was always going to come up, wasn't he? How can you resist covering 37-year-old Andrea Seppi? He's your stat. Andrea Seppi was the stat. I was, I was clutching today. Um, oh, I can't wait. Come on, then. Well, what it was, was I remember him beating... Felix Auger-Aliassime at, at Roland Garros and that felt like a bad day for the movement and today feels like <laughs> another bad day, day for the, the movement, movement it's, it's, died. it came to me <laughs> <laughs> so you did you, were, you did a movement stat and we got well, a no it was Catherine an, song out of it. it it was an Andrea Seppi where have you been stat since Roland Garros and because probably 
the putting his feet is, up. He's 37. He's lost seven <laughs> matches since Roland Garros to players outside of the top 100. <laughs> seven matches since Roland Garros? Yeah. He's played seven tournaments since yep. Roland Garros. Yeah, about two months ago. Yeah. And yet, here he is back at a Grand Slam beating Hubert Hurkacz, who I... I thought was set for a run this tournament. To be he, honest, he featured in my predictions. Yes, mine too. And he's and he's been taken out by Seppi, and that's two very tight wins he's had this tournament. Fuchovic in the first round, fifth set tiebreak. Her catch now, and yeah, he's sort of living up to that role as ATP gatekeeper or bouncer. You know, someone you have to get <laughs> past. Bouncer, yes. <laughs> Who are the who are the bouncers at the door? Philip Kohlschreiber. Roberto Bautista Agut. No, 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 no. He, he's he, far too young. He, he's a he's a bouncer to the VIP section. Correct. Bautista Agut. Correct, Matt. He's a level up. Absolutely right. But just to you get in the stages, club. You've got stages, Catherine. No, you no, can't, no. You can't okay. Have just I'm talking about the bruises on uh, on the outside, <laughs> telling you you're wearing the wrong shoes. That's Kohlschreiber. Uh, who did Kohlschreiber lose to? Anduha. Um yes. These people. But I think I think Matt's quite right. You've got another. You've got another two stages. You've got your Pablo Carrera Buster sort of on yeah. on on the upstairs floor, and then you've got your VIP, which is very much Roberto Bautista. Yes, I'm on board with this analogy. Is 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 this the moment to bring up our other? game that we've come up with tonight mm. oh yes mm. we, we've we've invented a, a, a game for a, another podcast it came out very organically um but the gist of it it was all kanish Koi related <laughs> um, and uh it was it was based on the fact that kanish has got this incredible ability to navigate the first week of grand slams and reliably get himself into the quarters and then stop um, every time, bar one in his whole career, basically. And we, we started to think, well, imagine if you could meld two players. Imagine if you could have a, a relay. No, 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 a no. relay. Not meld. A relay. A relay. A relay. If this, you could... isn't, this isn't create your perfect player. No, but imagine if you could hand the baton over to yeah. a teammate. Someone does week one, someone yeah. does week two. Exactly. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, but you can't just say, oh, I'll have Djokovic and Nadal then, please. No. You have to have a minimum. This this might be finessed. I've, I've come up with the numbers off the top of my head. But you have to have a minimum ranking of 40. Mm. I combined might, ranking. Sorry, combined ranking. I might revise that upwards. So if you want Novak Djokovic for second week, then you have to have... Kay Nishikori for the first week, which is actually probably a very good shout. That is actually the dream team. Yes, You've it is. You've completed the game. Okay. <laughs> but maybe Kay Nishikori is 56 in the world now, which is perhaps a, we we are treating him within the game on on the basis of results past, yes. aren't we? Rather than, Anyway, I, I hope we've sufficiently explained the game. 40 might need revising upwards, but that's my... That's my working uh working parameters at the moment dave david's had the best women's suggestions so far i think what was it david it was helena's for first week and bianca andrescu's second week 
strong. I'm not but sure. I, I think that that might be. But that was before we devised the combined ranking. Yeah, yeah. That, that I, I think I might be struggling to make the the cut with that somehow. Mm. I, mean, I, I mean, the thing is, it sounds harsh, but there are. I think the beauty of it is there are players who regularly make the second week who you don't really necessarily want in the second week to make a brilliant tournament. Yeah. And there are players who never make the second week, looking at you, Nick Kyrgios, who you would love to have mm. in the tournament because they would rise, you feel like they would rise to that occasion against the best players. Um, that was sort of the... Yeah, if, some, if, if somebody could do the legwork and get Nick Kyrgios to the second week of a Grand Slam where he gets to play only big matches against only top players then and going into them all fresh, not having spent five sets on court against Andrea Seppi. Um, I think he actually did do that. He once, did, he did he? do yeah. that. He's yeah. done that twice. Um, <laughs> then, then it would be a different kettle of fish, wouldn't it? He needs to be involved in a in a relay with Kane Ishikori, and I think <laughs> rankings wise, that team that team checks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you know, have a think, get your thinking caps on back home, uh, wherever you're listening to this, and come up with your own dream team um, for the relay that we will name one day um, and do a podcast about. So I, I love I love the game anyway. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, right. Well, Andrea Seppi's through. Incredibly, We're not something I expected to be talking about. Um, <laughs> I don't think you've watched either. so much Andrea Seppi this tournament. It, this is like our Ilya Ivashka se- segment in the preview show. <laughs> he won, I think. Yeah, yeah he's on it. Yep. Mm. He's flying. He beat Pospisil. Mm. Uh, Petra Kvitova won. Uh, that's all I've got. <laughs> yeah. Petra Kvitova won Belinda Bencic won um, Maria Sakkari won as well so lots and lots of uh... do we need do we need eyes emoji on Bencic Hannah pointed out you know she's coming in off the back of an Olympic gold she's had some good runs at the US Open in the past she's looking very good she's sort of riding that wave I think of the Olympic gold I mean I would she I would is not, in Barty's section. I yeah, think. but draw aside, just in principle, I would not be remotely surprised to see her in a semi-final, but I would really be surprised mm. to see her win the tournament. She's somehow not in the mix, despite almost being someone I might predict to reach the quarters or semi-finals. There are some I mean, as it happens, I don't think like I did that. because of the draw. But yeah, so I mean, a bit like we discussed with Pliskova, before the tournament, I would, you know, her being in the final, I wouldn't, wouldn't be staggered by. But I, she's she's not in my mix because I would be really surprised to see her win the title. There are some players like that, aren't there? That they they do stuff and they still don't get picked uh, ahead of tournaments to be in the mix, like Sophia Kennan, who's reached two Grand Slam finals. I've n- I've never put her in the quarterfinals of anything. I don't think hardly. <laughs> Um, I think I've had her in a quarter reflects terribly on me Novak Djokovic has just won he's just done his celebration as well so he seems to have made things up uh, with the uh, the New York crowd and it's Djokovic and Shikori yes it is clear your Saturday schedule folks Shikori has managed to go the scenic route for the 
34th time in his career, um, and uh, he's done so by winning the first two sets, then losing the next two sets, and then comfortably winning the fifth against uh, Mackenzie McDonald. Uh, so that happened earlier on today. Um, Angelique Kerber got a win. Angelique Kerber is going to face Sloane Stevens tomorrow, which is cannot a, wait. That mm-hmm. is a belter of a 2016 match. champion against 2017 champion. In the oh. third round. And, and a surprisingly one-sided head-to-head in Stevens' favour. Oh, really? I think, I think it's 5-1, and a, a couple of those have been real thrashings. And, and I checked, and a couple of those thrashings were in even years. So they were in Angelique Kerber good years. Um, so, yeah, maybe something about that matchup. But I thought, thought Kerber looked excellent today, and she played... Annalena Kalanina, one of the most satisfying names in tennis, who beat her at the French Open. And I think it was just a good little marker of what a different Angelique Kerber it has been since then. It was really flat, lacklustre performance at the French Open. And then today couldn't have been more different. She was proactive and she just dominated kind of ruthlessly. Mm. Oh, this this tournament could not be shaping up any better on the women's side. It really couldn't. Um, I'm going to run through the order of play for tomorrow right now, guys, if you don't mind, because we've got one or two other little subjects to cover. But um, we'll just do the order of play for tomorrow, which uh, on the Arthur Ashe Stadium starts at 12 local time in, in New York, uh, 5 p.m. UK time with Victoria Azarenka against Garbin Yamagarutha. I mean, what a yes, match to please. start the blooming coverage that is, eh? Who are you mm. picking for that? I mean, I, I don't know whether we've got uh, that match for our predictions, but I just feel I, like that warrants. I've gone Muguruza for my prediction. Have you? Yeah, I'd go. I would just about go Muguruza. What would you go, Catherine? Malarenka uh, um, or Muguruza? Forget it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then that's followed on score by uh, Carlos Alcaraz against Stefano Why is the Sitsipas? women's match always first? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, today, today, there was only one of all the courts that had singles matches first up on the schedule. Only one was men's. So you had all these brilliant women's matches and there were a lot of good ones all happening nine. at the same time. Nine that at was the same really, time. Couldn't that follow was them and there some, Look, there have been some great great men's matches and it might end up being as I said that Brooksby Fritz is is the pick of the lot but A I think that's helped along by its scheduling it's got that prime time grandstand twilight slot Um, and there's a lot of men's matches that have got superior scheduling that could have could have made way for some some of those women's matches that were first up and okay it's not written anywhere official that first on is a worse slot than second or third on but it's a truth universally acknowledged um and yeah i'm i'm delighted to have azarenka muguruza to go to first in our coverage tomorrow but i i would like to see that that sort of unofficial rule of women's matches first less rigidly adhered to mm. i see that um not in the uh, not in the night session, I might add. I'm talking day session here. Yeah. Um, anyway, Alcaraz against Sitsipas is up after <laughs> anyway. that. Anyway. 
Thanks, David. <laughs> I want to get through this order of play because it's so is good. done with her rant, moving on. No, I, I do agree with you. Uh, evening session is Osaka and against Fernandez. I mean, that's another good match. Uh, on paper, anyway. Rublev tomorrow, against... Tomorrow's great. Tomorrow's yeah. a dream schedule. Rublev Tiafo. I, I, I've gone with my prediction in the newsletter on that one. So you can sign up to the newsletter. I'm not telling you what I've put. Um, Louis Armstrong Court has got Elena Rabakina against Simona Halep first up. Um, then there's Andahar Medvedev. Then it is not before 4 p.m. local time, so 9 p.m. in the UK. Kerber against Stevens. Oh, I can't wait for that. It's going to be amazing. And then in the evening session, it's Batista Agut against Ogiel Yassim. Collins against Sabalenka tomorrow night. We're, we're doing a late podcast tomorrow night. Um, <laughs> I say that. Uh, I was going to say, don't we always do late podcasts? Two o two a.m. I've just <laughs> said that. Um, and then on the grandstand court, just a couple I'll pick out um, are Svitolina against Kasatkina, um, and elsewhere there is the Dan Evans match. If you're interested in that, it's uh, second on court seventeen, so it's looking at about five thirty p.m. We reckon UK time, something around that. Uh, Dan Evans against Alexi Popperin. And Evans actually pulled out of his doubles in the third set today. He was feeling his uh, the groin that he strained a little bit during his singles match, and um, and decided to withdraw when it was once at all. Um, so hopefully he's okay. Uh, Elise Mertens against Ange Jaber is also on that court last up, um, and it's just one of the great orders of play. And I think the next few days are going to be like that. It's just going to be hugely enjoyable no matter what happens. Um, just uh, wanted to mention the, the Paralympics as well, uh, which today saw Jordan Wiley and Lucy Shuker into their first Paralympic final. They defeated China's Xiang Wang and Zhenzhen Zhu in the women's doubles semis, 6-4, I might need your help here, Catherine. They'll face the Dutch top seeds. What's her name? Oh, Didi de Goot. Yeah, and Anjek van Anjek van Koot. Koot. For I've always said Koot, and nobody's angrily uh, nobody's emailed me to correct my pronunciation. <laughs> but we definitely so got the other we'll one right. What it. was it again? Didi de Goot. Didi de Goot. Okay. Mm. Uh, for the gold, so that's who uh, Jordan Wiley and Lucy Sugar will be playing. Um, and Wiley had earlier lost six four six two to De Hoot in the <laughs> women's singles semi-finals, and will play Van Coot for the bronze. Uh, Gordon Reed failed to uh, get his uh, men's singles title that he was trying to retain. Uh, he was beaten in straight sets by the top seed and the home favourite Shingo Kaneda. Um, and Alfie Hewitt lost out as well to the Dutchman Tom Egberink. Uh, six four seven six. So we'll keep uh, across the the Paralympics finals as well, and uh, bring you uh, what we can from those. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Matt, just a, a quick note before we finish on the newsletter item we had in today. Your your interview, we mentioned it yesterday in in, in the podcast, uh, what you were attempting to do on Pride Day to talk to some of the, the, the male tennis players as they came into the press conference and, and asked them about this situation. And we put their answers in, uh, in the newsletter. What, what was your sense from what you heard generally? Because quite a few of our listeners got in touch to say, you know, we've read, you, read their answers on, on the subject, but wondered what you made of what they said yeah well I think as I said yesterday I think the answers all came from a good place and I thought they seemed very sincere and I think it's very meaningful that they've gone on the record um, to say that they would be supportive if a gay player came out on the ATP tour Um, I do think my sort of gut instinct in that moment is to think that it should sort of be a given that you should express your support. Um, But I guess, you know, we do live in a world with a lot of homophobia. We have had tennis players in the past not be so supportive. Um, And I think you sort of have to learn to take small victories, I suppose, on, on the path to progress. So it does does feel like a small victory with those players saying what they did yesterday and thank them for that. That was good, especially, as you pointed out, David, you know, Medvedev in particular comes from, does come from a different culture where LGBT rights are really quite poor. Um, I guess the question now is whether that's enough. You know, is it enough for players to just sort of say they're supportive? Um, Now, I asked quite specifically about the culture inside the ATP and whether something specific to that has contributed to the lack of a player coming out. And none of them really engaged with that side of the question. There wasn't a lot of examination. Now, 
I guess, you know, there's the usual caveat that it was a press conference setting. They're mainly expecting tennis questions. That's what they get. It can be a little bit jarring, I think, to ask an off-topic question in a press conference like that. It's probably not the best setting for a nuanced conversation. But, you know, it's the access I have, and I thought it was important. Um, But, yeah, I just think some acknowledgement that there's clearly an issue would go a long way. Um, Medvedev did a little bit. He noted that it it takes work to make a safe and accepting environment. Um, But I think it's important because I feel like the players have a responsibility to create that environment, to make it welcoming and receptive and open. Um, You know, when I think a couple of them said they don't know the reason why a player has not come out. And I, I just think that's a little bit, naive you know maybe they've not thought about it probably not because it doesn't affect them and I guess to that I would just say well in the same way that racism towards black people shouldn't have to be solved by black people women's rights shouldn't be fought for by women alone I think LGBT rights are also the responsibility of straight people you know they are the ones with the privilege um you know, just just a just a tennis example recently was we've had two incidents of of players reflexively using a homophobic slur when they've done something bad on the court. You know that that link between poor performance in sport and using a using a gay slur. I think Holger Rune did it and Fabio Fanini did it both quite recently, and they both apologised. Fanini came out wearing rainbow colours in in Canada. But as far as I'm aware, no one no one spoke about it publicly. There was no sort of ATP player coming out and saying this is not okay. And you know, I was just I was just imagining a a, a possible gay player in the locker room seeing that and seeing the sort of just complete and utter silence that it was treated with. And how are they going to feel? Um, I'd have, I'd have thought alone and isolated and just yeah unsafe really to be themselves so I think it can help so much when people around you speak up and you know how they feel about a subject so that when you do feel ready to come out you know they will be an ally for you so yeah I just think there's there's probably a next step now that that players need to be taking um I think Pride Day at the US Open helps, you know, it, it, it's it's what prompted me to ask the question. Um, and Felix, or Julia Seam, mentioned a survey that that the ATP had had done internally. So I, I spoke to the ATP today, I messaged them for more information, and they actually sent me a, a statement about that survey, which I'm just going to read now. They said, we can confirm that last month, the ATP launched an LGBT plus research survey for ATP players as a key initiative under ATP Serves, a new program of purpose-led initiatives that has been in development since last year. The LGBT plus player survey was developed together with Pride Sports, a leader in tackling homophobia in sport, and Eric Dennison, an award-winning researcher from Monash University in Australia. Questions focus on perceptions and attitudes towards the LGBT plus community within tennis. There are also opportunities for players to provide more detailed feedback about their personal experiences. 
We hope this will help us develop data-based solutions to ensuring tennis is as welcoming and, and inclusive as it can be. Any next steps will follow the close of the survey in the coming weeks. We ultimately believe this is important work and has the potential to benefit everyone, as researchers found that all athletes perform better in environments that are inclusive. So that's very encouraging, I think, and probably long overdue. Um, so, yeah, just to sum up, I think great that the players were um, supportive yesterday. There's more to it to consider and more that can be done, I think. Well, great work, Matt. I'm really pleased mm. that um, that you followed this through from thinking about it in the first place to to actually acting on it and uh, and i mean yeah uh, i think that's it's a it's it's really important actually that it's it started it furthered the conversation there's a lot of people thinking uh within the sport just at the moment um on the back of the work you've done today and the last 24 hours so um long may that continue that's really good it's really great um so Another tennis podcast done. Um, we we've still got loads of matches going on. We'll bring you any updates tomorrow from them that uh, that seem relevant. I've just seen Jensen Brooksby win the third set of that epic against Taylor Fritz and go hurtling back to his seat and sitting down dramatically right in front of Fritz, which I really enjoyed. Um. <laughs> I'm getting the death stare from Catherine because I'm I'm in charge of the TV remote and I've and I've I've let it go onto standby. It's on a screensaver of, <laughs> of tantalising holiday destinations that we're not at. <laughs> I think I better wrap this up, folks. Things are taking a turn for the worst. Uh, right. Um, it says try Alexa, play Peppa Pig. No, okay. not what I wanted at all. Uh, quickly, mascots, Francis, save us, um, Scouts on Mouse or Rogue, um, Chris Albert Lee, who else we got? Billy Jean. Billy Jean King. <laughs> Billy Jean King, save Zeus. us. Zeus, uh, we got any shout outs, Matt? Quickly. We do. Uh, Brian Parks. Hello, Brian. All right, Brian. There are many Brians. There are. There was one Brian, that used to play Brian for West Bromwich Albion. Favorite, favorite Backstreet Boy. Oh really? Mm. Oh, that night. That needs further he's, investigation. He's now a, a raging uh, gammony right wing, terrible. Oh, so I, I feel ashamed now. Well, thankfully we've <laughs> with, got our own Brian. We've got our own Brian who supports the tennis podcast. He's an absolute legend. Thank you, Brian. Who else we got? We have Dipali Patel. All right, oh, Dipali. Dipali Patel. How you doing? Thanks very much for your support. My my dentist is Mr. Patel. And I, I embarked upon saying that and now feel terrible that I, I don't know his first name. But who knows their dentist's first name? That's not a thing, is it? No. No. I don't think so. Okay. Who else we got? Thanks, Dipali. <laughs> My dentist is called Margaret and we have Shane <laughs> Evans. <laughs> Sorry? Who we got? Shane Evans. Oh. Like Dan Evans. Also, Shane was not my favourite member of Boyzone. <laughs> <laughs> Shane. Oh, thank you so much for your support. Right. Let's get out of here before we get into any more trouble. Do you just uh, call her Margaret? Do you just say, hi, Margaret? Yeah, well, she's sort of a family friend. Oh, my God. Where are we I going with this? That doesn't quite count, does I it? I don't think I want a family friend doing my teeth. I think we'll leave it there, folks. See you tomorrow. <laughs>
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips. For just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.